When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hi, this is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast. Hello, folks, and welcome along to an impromptu and unplanned emergency tennis podcast. It is Sunday, the 17th of January, and it has taken us 17 days to produce our first emergency podcast of 2020. Of, 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 of when is it now? 2021. David, all your dreams have come true. Tennis <laughs> has conspired to create an emergency podcast situation. Yep, no tennis and still lots of opportunity <laughs> to talk about tennis on the podcast, which is which is magnificent. This, and this was going to be our w- sort of week off because we'd already done the work. And now yeah. here we are. We are on the eve of Billie Jean King week, folks, and Emergency Podcast doesn't interfere with that at all. Billie Jean King week still going ahead as planned uh, from tomorrow, uh, from Monday, uh, depending on when you're listening to this. And it's going to be fab. But before then, we need to talk about not so fab things um a slightly nightmarish scenario emerging um and has already emerged for for tennis australia for for australia in general for for the australian open for tennis players for the tennis world um which is that um over the course of the last few days when the charter flights have been incoming to melbourne and adelaide ahead of uh, the australian open and the lead-up period a total now of 72 players and uh, additionally their their support teams which is 20 percent of the field across men's and women's are now confined to strict quarantine uh, because uh, passengers from their charter flights have tested positive for COVID-19 upon arrival in Melbourne. Um, These are so far from three different flights out of 18, we understand, charter flights. One from LA, uh, which notably uh, carried Kena Shikori, Victoria Azarenka and, and Sloane Stephens. Uh, one from Doha, which mostly seemed to have aboard uh, qualifiers and lucky losers, and one from Abu Dhabi, um, which had a lot of notable people on board. Bianca Andreescu, and we understand, well, we know in fact, it, 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 in fact, it was her coach Sylvain Bruno uh, who tested positive from from that flight because uh, he he um, confessed to that on social media. Confessed isn't the right word; it makes it sound like this some sort of implication of guilt. But anyway, he um, he came out on social media and said that it was he who had tested positive. So Andrescu on that flight, Angelique Kerber, Svetlana Kuznetsova, Ons Jabeur, Marta Kostyuk, uh, Belinda Bencic, Maria Sakkari, uh, Yulia Putin-Saver as well. And the situation is that all those who were aboard a flight where somebody has tested positive upon arrival must now uh, do 14 days strict quarantine without the five hours uh, of release time per day that Tennis Australia, Craig Tiley, had negotiated with the Victorian authorities to be allowed. Um, Now, obviously, this is completely suboptimal um and a lot of tennis players were very unhappy about it um lots tweeted about it some have since deleted their tweets um not Saronica Steyer though uh not never one to shy away from a little bit of outspoken controversy this is what 
she had to say because um, she she is one of the ones that is now subject to to the strict lockdown. She said, "People complaining that we're entitled. I have no issues to stay fourteen days in the room watching Netflix. Believe me, this is a dream come true, a holiday even. What we can't do is compete." after we've stayed 14 days on a couch. This is the issue, not the quarantine rule. I agree. If they would have told us this rule before, I would not... If they had told us this rule before, I would not play Australia. I would have stayed home. They told us we would fly at 20% capacity in sections on the plane, she means, and we would be considered a close contact only if my team or cohort tests positive. Um, And Yulia Putin-Saver echoed that as well she said what i don't understand is that why no one ever told us if one person on board is positive the whole plane needs to be isolated she said i would think twice before coming here now there have there have been some people artem sitak the doubles player who has said um in a, a video he put up on social media he has said that this isn't accurate that actually um there was a conference call uh, a while back uh, that not all players attended in which athletes were told that if one person on the flight tested positive, that the whole plane would have to quarantine. Um, And in fact, um, courtesy of uh, Oleg S on on Twitter, and this has actually been put out by a few people, um, the published uh, Australian Open quarantine and travel information that was sent to players and their teams. And it does state that the Victorian Department of Health and the Chief Health Officer will be the ones to classify all members of your cohort as close contacts in the event of a positive test result. Limiting the number of people that you come into contact with minimises the chances that you will be classified as a close contact unfairly. And it goes on to say later, correctly used PPE such as masks and advanced hygiene protocols at the airport, in transit and on the flight will also be important factors in helping make the case for not classifying entire flights as close contacts. Now, obviously, there's a lot of a lot of meaty detail in all of the the small print with regards to the the travel and quarantine arrangements for for these tennis players making their way to Australia but it was there it was there that the, that it was within the discretion um of the Victorian health officials as to who would be deemed close contacts and they have decided uh, which does seem to be in keeping with Australia and Victoria's very strict approach to to COVID-19 and lockdown and quarantine thus far, they've decided that everybody on the same flight as those that test positive should be deemed close contacts. And it's hard to argue with that, David. What what do you think? Yeah, um, I I mean, I feel for them, of course. um, But when you consider that, I mean, actually, none of the players have tested positive from what we understand here. The, the, as you said, the Sylvain Bruno, the coach, on one of the flights, it was uh, there was a flight attendant. And th- that immediately means that there are going to be more people that the person comes into contact with. And, and also, the other thing is the, the reference in those rules to make sure you're wearing your PPE, make, make sure you're wearing your mask, make sure you're following all the visible rules. And we've seen social media posts from that flight with Kuznetsova and and uh, Kosteron and, y- and Kerber. The, the plot thickens there. Why she's there, given <laughs> that she's supposedly uh, serving a provisional um, suspension, I do Maybe not know. Maybe she's brought bad juju to the, <laughs> to the whole flight. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, there, there was a – that was – it looked like a holiday camp, to be quite honest. Mm. And, um, and that – those sort of images uh, are, are going to get the backs up of the authorities uh, and, and they're not going to help with the benefit of the doubt, are they? No, speaking about Juju, uh, Yulia Putin-Saver has had a mouse in in her room. She posted a video of it, a truly horrifying video of it for anyone that's been through a lockdown mouse situation. I'm a survivor of such a situation. Um, if she wants you, to start a support, support group, I will. I will be the first to join. Um, but as you said to me just as we were about to start recording, David, it has 
it has added such a wonderful element of farce. Not that that needed adding, but it's just highlighted the element of farce to the whole thing, hasn't it? I mean, you're not allowed out, but somehow m- mice can can get in. I mean, so you know, the the actual living quarters of these players. We should say, okay, they're in they're in lockdown, and and it's it, there are challenges that that pro- provides, which we we will get into. But I mean, you know, you're, they're nice rooms. You don't expect to see a mouse in one of them, to be honest. No, I, I, I understand that those now in the strict hard quarantine actually have to go to a different hotel oh, right. um, or are in, a, are in a different hotel. And actually those hotels are at capacity, um, which, which could be an interesting one because um, there are there – are addition- well, actually there are reports from – or a report – um, but quite a credible one from from Stephanie Miles, a Canadian tennis journalist, that actually there is an additional flight um, that has seen a positive test. One from from Dubai that that departed on Friday morning. On that flight was Sara Rani, Svetlana Peronkova, uh, Alicia Serenko, Francesca Jones, the British qualifier. So so mostly mostly qualifiers here: Whitney Asigwe, uh, Mihaila Bizanescu, um and she reports that there are there is at least one positive test from that flight because she was on it and she's had to undergo extra testing than she was initially supposed to and the authorities that have come to test her have explained that that, that is the reason why now that's not been confirmed by tennis australia but given that she's she's on that she was on that flight and has the first hand experience that is going to be a situation um to watch we have also had reports of a fifth flight or what would be a fourth confirmed flight um, that has seen a positive test. Now, this is uh, one of those that flew into Adelaide where the, quote, top players are undergoing their quarantine period. Um, This flight contains Serena Williams, Novak Djokovic, Rafael Nadal, Naomi Osaka, Simona Halep and Dominic Thiem. And we understand that Filip Krajanovic's fitness trainer that also works a little bit with Novak Djokovic tested positive on that flight uh, or upon landing um, after that flight. However, additional blood tests were done to determine whether this individual was infectious. And the blood test determined that he wasn't infectious and therefore the passengers on that flight are not subject to any stricter quarantine restrictions. Now, I mean that that's that's fine. Uh, my, my questions, and um, I, I haven't seen these answered any anywhere. I'm not sure if they've been put to, to Tennis Australia. The whole Adelaide situation does seem to be the the murkiest area of the whole thing. Um, my question is: Were is, is that additional blood testing available made available to to everybody to all negative all positive tests? Um, it, it that does. That does seem like quite an upgrade in terms of what's being laid on to try and mitigate um, the the negative negative upsides, or you might call a negative upside a downside. Mm. What do you yeah. think? <laughs> I find it difficult to to know what to think. To be honest, it, it, simply by the fact that the, there's bit, there's such a lot of conversation around Adelaide anyway as being a separate location for for these top players, it it enormously it immediately makes people a little cynical, I think, and, and suspicious of it. Um, don't know about those details just because. Because I can't, and and but but I mean, it would be very useful to to have some clarity and to have to have that addressed and and put to them. Really, it is di- it is difficult sometimes. There's so much, there's so much that you want to ask about or have clarified. And again, I mean, we 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 as media from afar, we are relying on the local media. I, I mean, I th- I saw a very good interview with Craig today by Channel Nine. I thought which asked a lot of questions, albeit no questions about Adelaide actually, which was a shame. Mm. But uh, but put to bed the idea of of the tournament being delayed. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there was a there's a lot to tr- try to navigate here. Yeah, there's been there's been all sorts of speculation, rumor, hasn't there, that that Tennis Australia were wanting to try and push back the tournament 
tournament by a week and and that perhaps the tours were resistant to that because of impact upon the calendar again all of that was pure speculation there has been a pretty definitive uh, interview uh, with Craig Tidy as you say David on on uh, to, to, uh, on channel 9 in Australia where um, he said look there, there might be some flexibility in terms of the schedule in that prior week and in the scheduling within within the events and we're going to hear from Pam Shriver shortly where she uh, speculates um, and imagines what could possibly done but in terms of moving the dates of the Australian Open that doesn't seem to be on the table um from from I think what we're all interpreting of what uh, what Craig Tidy said Novak Djokovic um is in Adelaide um he is in those what we understand to be slightly enhanced quarantine conditions he is obviously keeping a close eye on what's happening in Melbourne, though, and the 72 players, that's across both tours, of course, that are that are subject to the strict 14-day quarantine. And we understand that he has written a letter to Craig Tiley, and this has been reported in Punto de Break, um, making suggestions uh, of what could be done to improve the situation for those 72 players in quarantine or perhaps he's only speaking on behalf of the male players. I, I don't quite know. Uh, we understand this has been reported in a few places, Ubi Tennis, Punto de Break. We understand he is suggesting fitness and training materials in all rooms. Now, I've seen a lot of reports that that has already been been carried out Um he suggests decent food according to the level of the tournament and from an elite athlete. Um, early doors, there were quite a lot of tennis players tweeting and Instagramming pictures of their food, uh, complaining about it. And that didn't go down brilliantly with the wider public and those sorts of tweets have uh, have dropped off in frequency. But uh, Novak Djokovic uh, suggesting... Um, that the, the the quality of the food should be upped. Uh, he says, reduce the days of isolation for the 47 isolated players, carrying out more tests that confirm that all are negative. Uh, he says, permission to visit your coach or physical trainer as long as they have both passed the PCR test. He says, if the previous proposal gets the green light, that both the player and his coach are on the same floor of the hotel and he says to move as many players as possible to private houses with a court to train. Um, David, what's your take on that letter and its I mean, contents? If that's all accurate uh, and uh, as as reported, I mean, look, it, it would tally with everything that he's been doing over the last few years as trying to lead the fight for the players and represent the players, albeit now unofficially, given that uh, that he's no longer part of the ATP Player Council, but he is the head of what he says will eventually be the Professional Tennis Players Association. Um, but what what's pretty clear to me is that in this particular instance, Craig Tiley and Tennis Australia have limited powers and whilst they may look at that and say, yeah, we'd love to help you, but frankly, I mean, they are doing what they're told right now to get this tournament played. And uh, I, I just don't see how they're going to get very far with it. With, with the next two weeks, the next two weeks, I think these players are just going to have to lump it. Um, what happens when they get out of the two weeks? Craig was pretty clear in that Channel 9 interview that they'll do all they can to try to make the transition as positive as possible but I mean I think really and particularly the one about if that one is true move as many players as possible to private houses with a court to train I mean okay mate yeah uh, I think you're living in cloud cuckoo land really if you think that's going to happen um, and and also just one more reminder of of what people from Australia who are stranded overseas are going through at the moment and what lo many locals we've had a lot of listeners write to us and say do you know I really love tennis. I'm a listener to your podcast, for goodness sake. I can't wait for the Australian Open normally, um, but this is all a bit hard to stomach, to be honest. Um, and so I feel that... I mean, look, he's written this 
intending to be a private letter, I, I'm sure, uh, and it's been it's been leaked in some or reported in some way that w- to the point that people like us are able to talk about it. Um, but this stuff just isn't going to fly very well with the with the Australian public. Um, and mm. yeah, I, like I say, I just think that's overestimating the what Craig Tiley and his team can possibly do in this situation. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about Melbourne is now on its its twelfth, I believe, twelfth consecutive day without any community transition uh, uh, spread transmission of COVID nineteen, which is extraordinary it, and a fantastic success. But it is a city and a state that has paid a very high price for that success. They have they have earned it, and they have earned it via exceptionally strict. Um, lockdown protocols and yeah i th- i think you know obviously that that bullet point list of of requests would be marvelous for the players of course that would enhance their experience of course that would make them better able to to compete of course these circumstances are entirely suboptimal but to to request that the days of isolation be reduced with with more testing you know, as if nobody's thought of that. You know, if test if testing were a hundred percent accurate and watertight way to ensure no transmission in the community, then that would that would that would be being done. We're not talking about the difference between fifty thousand cases and and fifty thousand and one cases. It one one case in the community would be a big deal in Melbourne. That That's how high the stakes are. So I, I, I don't think that uh, that letter is going to go down well um, in, in Victoria and Melbourne. And, and I can very much understand why. We've got a community that's, you know, missing funerals, not seeing loved ones, loved ones stranded around the world, you know, Yes, it might look like they're all living a nice, normal life in Australia, but um, but there's still a high price being paid for all of that. So, so that's the situation um, as we as we know it to be at the moment. I'm sure, well, I'm certain there will be there will be further developments. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrowcom slash ACAST. That's burrowcom slash ACAST. burrowcom slash ACAST. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering Tennis Podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. We had the opportunity to speak to Pam Shriver about it all earlier because Pam Shriver... um, I mean, well, she's fantastically interesting, 
on all matters tennis and is is very engaged with with obviously the sport as a whole but kind of the the news side of news side of the sport and just has a really interesting take on it all and and she had tweeted something um when this all started breaking uh a few days ago she had tweeted um, something that David picked up on. She said, if I was a player on a late arriving Australian Open flight, still waiting on everyone's test result, knowing it only takes one to shut down everyone's practice for two weeks, I would be restless and uneasy. And that was what we kicked off by asking her about. Yeah, well, if uh, if you were waiting to hear the results and once you realize that, okay, given the new strain, given the way the health authorities are ruling, if there's one positive test, uh, then the whole plane is going to be in hard lockdown. Um, that just, there's, first off, there's so much out of your control. So you have to just, you know, give it up to your higher power. But in the meantime, you realize how different your life could be with one positive test in two weeks, it goes from being able to get out for five hours and legitimately have proper training. I mean, maybe a couple of players are saying it's not enough, whatever, but still in my eyes, it's proper training to then being only in your hotel room. Um, so it would have been a pretty anxious time. Um, and I was especially thinking since I live in Los Angeles and I live in the States and I know the second LA flight where I had some pretty good friends on that flight. We know the first one had already been um, ruled to have two positive tests. So I was just imagining if uh, if I had been on that flight and I knew that a lot of the Delray Beach players had come from a state, Florida, that's been about as open as and more cases in Florida than just about anywhere. And I just was thinking, there's no way this flight is going to be able to make it and, and be able to have the five hours. And so far, I've heard that the second L.A. flight is fine. But I was just thinking, one, all it takes is one test, say, out of 650 people on the flight. I, I, I don't know. I, I was, I think it's a miracle that that second LA flight. So that was sort of, if I was playing, that was the flight I was imagining that I would have been on. And I was just thinking, how would I be? It would be just a difficult time, but you prepare, um, you prepared to, to, for the worst, which would have been 14 days. What would that mean to you as an athlete? What will that mean to these players? Do you think as an athlete, those that are now confined for two weeks, I mean, what are they going to lose? Well, they're going to lose their traditional proper training. But look, it's in a setting of 10 months where I I feel like all the athletes have had to have a lot of compromise, a lot of flexibility. They've had to reimagine, rethink how they prepare. Um, They saw what happened at the Open and the kinds of athletes that were able to play well. I know Jen Brady is one of the favorites of the tennis podcast and just and, and, and kind of get into the parts that you have control over. So like I posted on night one, when all this was unfolding, like you'd have to get into your best guided meditation, visualization, look at your old YouTube matches, look at your, the best moments of, you know, if I was playing the best matches of Pam Shriver. So I would have looked at me beating Steffi Groff in 88 or Martina in 78 or Chrissy in 87, look at three or four of your best matches over and over again. And like when your serve was really clicking, they they actually have the technology now to kind of keep your mind much sharper, I would say, than say 30, 40 years ago, when literally we would have had three tennis channels. And you you certainly say a prayer to the Wi-Fi every day at the hotel, right? And good food delivery. And and, and you count the blessings that you do have. I know there's been a little bit of complaining and you have impulse, so you press send. And it's okay. We have to be forgiving that there is going to be some complaining and some discomfort but in the meantime, it's really smart if the players can really think about all that they do have and the opportunities they will have when they get out of this tough quarantine. Is it is it dangerous, Pam, for an athlete to to have to go into competing after two weeks in a hotel room, or is it just challenging? Well, down in Australia, I think it can be dangerous depending on the heat situation. Um, we all know what can happen if the winds come from the desert and blow south towards Melbourne. It can be brutal. So what I, what I fear the worst situation would be for the men players, singles players who are playing three out of five, who now really only have one week of proper training. Uh, you know, it looks like they're going to be able to keep up their cardio. 
Um, so now it's up to them to keep up their mental, uh, to the best of their ability, their mental fitness. They can keep up their strength. Uh, flexibility, they should be more flexible. I mean, of all the things that you can work on in a hotel room. I, I, I've really been fascinated by the post to see how, to me, keeping up the reflexes and, and, the, and the footwork and the fast twitch. What can you do in a hotel room? You know what? We're, we're seeing if you follow Pablo Cuervos, you can do actually a fair bit to, to keep up your skills. Putin Seva's posted some good stuff. Benchich hitting against um, the window with a tennis net uh, taping. So, but to me, I'm worried most about the men players who, who may be faced with seven, eight days after getting out of 14 hard days of lockdown, perhaps being locked in a fifth set match when it's 42 degrees Celsius. How much does the, the inequality of the situation trouble you? The fact that some players will have had significantly better preparation conditions now than, than others? Yeah, well, um, I've thought a lot about that. And I think Craig Tiley, God, I don't know how he's still, um, he's, he's so, talk about somebody who's strong mentally, Craig Tiley, let's put him right up there because um, the burden's on him. You know, I think he's, they're trying to figure that out is how to make it more um, equitable given this situation that's been so out of so many people's controls. Um, I think they should consider um, two out of three sets for the first couple of rounds um, on the men's side. Um, I even, you know, I, I think look at all different kinds of formats that would avoid that four and a half hour match. Um, maybe you schedule the ones in lockdown at night in, in the evening, maybe you give them a break of, you know, you don't put them out there at one or two in the afternoon. Maybe since they, it, a couple of years ago, they started with a match tiebreak to decide it, which I think we all love the 10 pointer instead of the U S open seven pointer. And in, in the, in the final set, maybe in the men's, if they don't want to go two out of three, go three out of five. But the fifth set is your 10 point tiebreak. Um, just anything that would in the first few rounds. And I know there's the traditionalists that say, no way we can't have a whole tournament. Well, no, but you got to give these athletes uh, enough time. And so I think a lot depends on if they're able to keep their cardio strength, you know, I think most of them will get their hand eye and their tennis skills. I, I think seven to 10 days is enough to get, to get it back. It's just the extreme heat worries me. Could you do that? as a tournament and tours could you come up with some emergency rule changes because of these unheard of unprecedented events that that we're experiencing right now how would that happen how would that work well i i think we've seen it at times through the years um i think the u.s open now i know the u.s open a couple of years ago they had an incredible heat wave, very difficult. They did some rule changes on the fly. I mean, they were minor ones, but like, I think it was the Cornet shirt change. They waived that. They realized that rule wasn't, wasn't worth having. Um, they, they, they ended up instituting middle of the tournament heat rule for the men um, that wasn't there prior to the tournament starting. Um, I actually think given these times during the pandemic, uh, the fact that, they, the players, and, and I, I listened to a lot of the calls and I talked and I communicated and, and understood what the players understood. And a lot of them have been a little bit surprised by the fact that if they weren't in the section of the plane, they didn't realize that the entire plane, of course, you have a flight attendant walking up and down. It makes, makes everybody maybe a close contact on a 12 hour flight. But I think there have been some surprises. But at the same time, it was very clear that given where this pandemic has gone and the changes and the mutations and, you know, Australia has been so strict and it's been clear that it's out of tennis Australians hands, the health policies. So, um, you know, everybody just had to go into this knowing that anything could have happened. And that literally this team at tennis Australia has tried to think of every possible scenario to mitigate uh, the the risks and the and now they have to try and mitigate the unfairness. Mm. Had you, I mean, you you were president of the player council and the WTA for for a few years. If you were in that position now, what would your role be? What would you what would you think would be the right thing to do in in that role? Well, I think you have to listen and you have to sort of think. Um, 
like, I, I don't know how many of the 72, I don't know whether you all have done the breakdown, how many doubles players, singles, women, singles, men's. Um, but I think in the case of the women, it really is, it's really a different format. When you're talking about two out of three and you still have, you know, obviously it may affect the fact that players may not feel comfortable playing the lead up tournament. Okay. Well, that's going to be your decision, whether or not with two days of practice, because I'm sure they're going to give anybody that's been in the hard lockdown, they're going to give them the latest start possible. That, I mean, that's a natural, you would think. So it's up to every individual player thinking, well, I'm down here anyway. The, the, the computer rankings, they've made so many um, rules that have been flexible to, to allow people like Ash Barty to not, not feel like she had to take the risk leaving Australia. So I just think players are going to have to make some decisions. They're not going to be at their best, especially the week if they choose to play Melbourne week before the Aussie. Um, but I don't know. To me, it's um, the brain has never been more important as it has been during the pandemic, your mental health. And I, I think it's a lot going to be up to the teams of these players to keep them positive. Um, outreach calls, uh, you know, a lot of the world's been in hard lockdown. So these tennis players have to realize, okay, they're in hard lockdown, but they still have a job and they still have a lot of the benefits, a lot of benefits that most people in the world right now don't have. Uh, and there's also the, the element of Australians that are stranded overseas. And I think locally, I, I've noticed with Craig Tiley at the moment, the, the balancing act that he seems to have of trying to communicate with the players and make them feel like they're, they're being thought of, but also not making the locals feel as though this tournament is more important than everything else. And that's been a tough balancing act, really. Um, but we know the Aussies, they love their sport. They love their tennis. Uh, this has been an event. I mean, I played, it, I played down in Australia first time in 79, uh, I played almost 10 years at Kuyong. Uh, I just know they love this event, but um, this, they are being asked to sacrifice uh, the Australian public and especially those Australians who, David, as you mentioned, are trying to get back in. So look, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy, but just like how at the U S open, they went, they did everything they could to make sure that first major played during the pandemic was played now under totally different s scenarios from the government and the um, state uh, rulings and, and mandates. But still, I'm, I, I am so impressed by how these, well, I, I'll put the French open in too, but to me a little bit of a different category than the first major played. And now this one international brought into an Island nation during really the height, the winter season in the Northern hemisphere it's horrible what's going on. And you know that in the UK, I know it here in the US. And for them to still move ahead with this plan is incredible. So I think the Aussie public, uh, they're fair dinkum, as they call them. They're, they're, pretty, um, they're pretty understanding and fair. And I think while some are going to be angry, I think when they weigh the positives of having a 2021 Australian Open, I think, it, I think, it's, I think it's a good, good decision to have it. Mm. Has it exposed for you at all, Pam, sort of the the un, um, unwieldiness? And there are some people saying, "Look, this just shows that tennis is too international a sport to be to be trying to hold these kind of events in the midst of a in the midst of a pandemic." How how much sympathy do you have with with that view? Is it are we just trying to fit a, a round peg into a into a square hole? Well, Catherine, I think a little bit it's it's that way. But what are the options? Um, do you just put the whole professional sport, especially the major pillars of the majors? I mean, you already lost Wimbledon because they had the pandemic insurance and it was a smart business decision for them to make. Um, but I think in the States, and I think the same in Europe, we have seen that sports bubbles can uh, be created in a safe way. Um, now this one is the most complicated one because of what you just mentioned, Catherine, how international pro tennis is. Um, but when you think about, they were originally going to have what five charter flights, four charter flights. Next thing you know, it's like 16 or 18 and 20% capacity three, the, what they had to do with the hotels. I mean, 
every day they wake up with a new set of challenges to try and mitigate the risks. And, and it sounds like if, you know, the Australian public, I feel like they should feel pretty good that if there are more positive tests, that they, between the government and between Tennis Australia, they know how to contain those few cases and they will not have community spread. Obviously, the disaster for Australia, given everything they've gone through, is if they end up having community spread because of this major tennis event being played. But, you know, I still, I still think it's, it's a risk worth taking, given the positives that we all get from I'm watching U.S. NFL football this weekend. And even though my Ravens lost last night, it's giving me like almost like a, a pandemic break by doing something normal. So I think that there are a lot of positives by still being able to hold on to some normalcy during the most abnormal time in all of our lives. Don't, don't start a podcast row about NFL, Pam. Yeah, I, I felt for you over the Ravens, uh, Pam. It was my Seahawks last week. Um, Catherine seemed to show no sympathy whatsoever. Um, just as a final thought for me, is, is the Adelaide situation fair? So, you know, it's interesting. I just tried to find out, like, how different the quarantine situation is in South Australia and in um, versus Victoria. And it wasn't that clear. Um, but obviously, the fewer players you have in your pod, the fewer players traveling to any city, the fewer, not just players, but including teams, the less risk you have. Um, I had heard at one point there was a positive on the Adelaide, uh, on the, on the flight going to Adelaide, but then it kind of like, I don't know, sort of, I didn't hear much about it again. <laughs> so is it, uh, it, it, you know what, anything's fit when it comes to the top stars in any sport, that's what drives the economic engine of the sport. So I, I think Craig Tiley, it, it really wasn't explained a hundred percent that it was really trying to protect the biggest of the stars to make sure that they were had the best chance to feel. And a lot of them are a little bit older, Venus and Serena. And, um, you know, who knows what negotiations were going on behind the scenes from the agents who were like, like, I know the U S open, if they didn't have, you know, Serena Djokovic, they, they knew they didn't have Federer that Nadal wasn't going to play. So there are some conversations we'll never know about that were sort of negotiated under the table, just like the old days before open tennis, there were some under the table quarantine deals. Is it fair? You know, sure. You know, if it, if it helps have a star studded Australian open where your, your greatest stars have a better chance of being healthy, it's fine. Don't hang on to that too much. There's bigger fish to fry right now. That's kind of what I was, I mean, you put it far better than I did, trying to say on the latest podcast, like, I get it. I get that that's important. Just kind of say, just just say, own that and say it. Say, look, we, we want these people to have the best chance of being able to play this tournament. And and if we don't have Jeremy Shardy, we don't have Jeremy Shardy. <laughs> if we don't have Serena going for Margaret Court's 24, you know, and you don't have Nadal and, and you don't have, Djokovic, um, you know, you got Osaka, uh, you got a far bigger issue. Poor old Jeremy Shardy, eh? <laughs> Burn. <laughs> it's, it's very interesting, isn't it? And, um, you know, I, I, th- I think I think she makes a very valid point when I think back to the US Open and the viability of running that event with the ESPN money at stake, which is really what what that event became about, i.e. it will happen if ESPN are in. And I, I think the, the star power element is a factor. It, it, it may sit uncomfortably with many. Um, and, you, you know, the, the fairness vibes within me do scream at this moment. But at the same time... In the real world, I, I get I get the point. They've got they've got to have these people to, or at least enough of them, in order to make the thing happen. Yeah, yeah, and I and I think uh, yeah, Pam makes a compelling compelling case, and I I agree. You know, it kind of comes back to what I said on the last pod. I I just wish there was slightly more transparency about that. I'm I'm okay 
with exactly that argument that Pam made. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm an idealist in in some respects, well, to a large extent. And yes, the lack of fairness doesn't sit right, but I'm a realist to the extent that I understand um, the the pressures um, in play here. And I, as much as anybody, want to see a Grand Slam with Serena going for twenty four, um, and with Novak Djokovic and, and Rafael Nadal and Naomi Osaka and, and everything that comes with all of that. So, and I'm okay with, you know, I'm enough of a grown up for, for that to be communicated to me that, that these players have a lot of power um, and we all want to see them. And so special me- measures are being taken um, and those those measures are not being taken for Jeremy Shardy, who, bless him, has now sort of become a byword for players that nobody cares about. <laughs> Lovely bloke. Uh, yeah. uh, but, you know, yeah, he's not he's not the star that they are. Um, I, I suppose may, maybe they feel that they just can't look everybody in the eye and tell everybody that because that wouldn't be accepted. Um, yeah, maybe. But I, d- I don't know. I mean, it's... I wouldn't want to be in their shoes. I really wouldn't. I, th- I think it's an incredibly difficult position to be trying to stage this thing. Um, but um, it's, it's getting more difficult by the day. Yeah, I did. I tell you, I really, really it, hearing Pam's side of things as an athlete, as a former athlete, as a, as a top class player. I found it really helped me to understand the player perspective and the the point she made about the the women will find this easier just sheer physically because of of the two out of three element as opposed to the three out of five that that could be because i was i was trying to work out earlier today and one question i didn't ask completely straightforwardly to to pam which i which i kind of intended to but i I feel like it got answered anyway is does this literally rule out those 72 mm. players do they have no chance now of winning the australian open and what i got from it was actually the women could you know you, you're talking about players like andrescu angelique kerber um victoria azarenka who've been there done it they've got the weapons they've got the ability that they will probably be able to adapt quickly enough to 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 get into this draw and be be a contenders but that the men if there were any contenders in, there. I don't know whether are there any men that you would look at that have been mentioned that would have been contenders. I'm not. Is Verev and Sitsipas? I believe were they on those flights. Oh right, okay. Do you know what uh, I mean? No, uh, right, any, yeah. Any that are true. now going to have to yeah. do hard what, what are you trying to say about Pablo Cuevas, David? <laughs> I'm, I sort of feel like you know. I don't think any if any of the players had been put in this two week quarantine I I think you could probably rule them out of the, of the title well yeah I think you Bless, could probably if Matt rule. were here and apologies to to Matt fans which we all are if you're not then tune out now and never 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 listen to us again you're talking to nobody anyway <laughs> yeah Matt was unavailable for this emergency podcast but if Matt were here he would I'm sure make the case that this has dashed the great, great hopes of yeah. Kane Shikori to win win that slam finally. That's it. That's it. Um, mm. But it's it's a it's a very interesting point, isn't it? And uh, and I I will for this Australian Open. We'll see how many more cases might come up of people having to go into hard quarantine. But if this is it, these names I'll be looking out for during mm. the Australian Open. It will be very interesting to see what Craig Tiley and his team do to try to make things a little easier for them. Some of the measures. A yeah, very interesting point that Pam made about changing the rules of the Australian Open men's draw. You know, yeah, and um, it, and, it, and it has that's something that's been sort of illuminated for me over the past couple of years. Obviously, not to the extent that Pam's potentially talking about, but the freedom that the tournaments and, in particular, the slams or or majors, as Billy Jean King would be shouting at me to say, um, little teaser for you for for to, for tomorrow's uh, Billy Jean King interview pod, um, the freedom that they have to change the rules if they fancy it. Um, it. It seems to me like they 
do have quite a lot of freedom to do that. Um, so m- I can't see them changing to best of three for for, a, for for three rounds. I just can't see it. Who would they have to get sign off from to do that? Is is my I'm other? Not, I'm not sure that they would. Who did they have to get sign off from to to introduce the the six all champ, uh, match tiebreak? Yeah, but I'm not I mean, sure that, that they did. That wasn't done on a whim, though, was it? I mean, wouldn't wouldn't this you wouldn't have this would be done on a whim? You know, you can make a very strong logical evidence based case for it. Sure, That's but not would a you whim. not have? Would you not have all the other players who who have trained themselves to do best of fives just up in arms? Maybe, but what? You know, players are up in arms about all sorts of things. <laughs> sure, players are. being up in arms. <laughs> Neither here nor there these days. They do love a whinge. They do love a whinge. And I'm kind of torn about the whinging of players because I don't, I'm uncomfortable with the argument of, you know, oh, but there's so many people worse off than you. Because there's people worse off than all of us. None of us are Syrian refugees, unless you are a Syrian refugee listening, in which case, hello and, you know, Godspeed. But there's always people worse off than you that doesn't mean that your suffering and your pain and your difficulties aren't real and that you're not allowed to feel them and you're not allowed to want support and help for that and and understanding um you know i'm in a far more privileged lockdown situation than most of the country but that doesn't mean i'm not feeling lonely and challenged and experiencing the difficulties and yes i tell myself that oh but you've got all these things going for you that lots of other people don't but that doesn't really change your that's kind of something going on in your head but it doesn't really change the what you're going through emotionally yeah, so I, se- I, several I can, things here can can be the case at the same time yeah so i look i'm sim- sim- really sympathetic with players having to experience this strict quarantine um and lockdown it that's going to be awful really really tough it's, I, i'm not lacking in sympathy for them um but it it does seem on the basis of the evidence that complaining that they've been misled in some way is not fair um perhaps it was in the small print but in a situation like this you probably should be reading the small print um, great tyler did deny that by the way as well he, he did say look we did say that yeah you know and 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 i also think that it's one thing to to feel it and talk to your your closest friends and family about it and seek support but taking to social media to complain when you're a public figure so you know that's going out publicly to to beyond your your close confidence is tone deaf that's Mm. pretty tone deaf really Uh, and actually I think what we're what we're learning by the day, it's unhelpful in terms of getting giving Craig Tiley and his team ammunition in order to get what all these players actually want. Mm. You know, they've got to do their parts. They've got to. As Craig seems to be on a permanent PR offensive with his own national authorities to try to convince them of. The legitimacy of this event and the the point of it and and its safety and mm. so they need they need the players to prove all the things that he's doubtless saying to the authorities that these mm. players are going to play play by the rules and they're not going to sort of open their door and shout about their uber eats to each other and, <laughs> uh, and, and other things that i've seen reported today mm. it was interesting i mean so much of what pan said there was was really interesting but what she said about how the first thing she'd be doing is getting YouTube videos of herself, of her best ever performances and trying to sort of relive those and create that kind of um, muscle memory, I guess, tricking the mind into the muscle memory. I loved that. Imagine Bianca Andreescu just watching the greatest oh. hits of Bianca Andreescu. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Do, do you know, by the way, who, who I consider to be now the favourite for the title? Oh, OK, we're going here. Yeah, I okay. consider it to be Ash Barty. So by the same token, do you consider it to be Nick Kyrgios? Slash John Don't, Millman. Don't be silly. 
<laughs> no, I don't. By the way, the, the the interview of John Millman from a few weeks back is is now feels particularly relevant and worth going back and having a listen to just about what these players are now facing and how how he uh, he Mr. Positive, Mr. Upbeat just did not see this mm. as something that could prepare a player for a slam. Now, admittedly, there's an extra week after it that, that can lead in and be that transition period. But I, ju- I just feel like Ash Barty now, by contrast, she's just had the year off to be herself and be at home. Okay, it's still been locked down and, and all the rest of it, but I think she comes into this now just with the, with this fantastic situation whether whether it plays out i i mean look look beyond all the other social elements to this story if they get this to a point where the tournament just gets played how fascinating is it going to be how many storylines are there there are just dozens of wonderful stories and and so many okay the tournament's without roger federer it's likely to be without andy murray by the way things seem to be going but i mean the fact that andrescu's coming back and osaka's there and and sviantec comes in as as a, as a grand slam champion and sabalenka's just won a, a title and barty's going to come back haven't seen her for ages halop again and that and that's the women's side which actually does look like the more interesting tournament when when I reel that lot off. But there's actually just so much there to get your teeth into, really, when we eventually get underway with this. Okay, then. Well, what better way to wrap this emergency podcast up with a completely pointless, speculative uh, sort of prediction-type discussion point? What odds? And I know neither of us really understand odds. (laughs) (laughs) just to add an extra level of spice to this. Oh, where's Matt when you need him? Uh, what odds will you give me on a Kyrgios Barty double? Right oh. now. Right here, right now, David. I mean, well, what would Kyrgios be? I mean, he'd probably be 50 to 1, I would have thought, outsider. I don't think he'd get very... Oh, that said, that's pretty good. Well, when you say good, do you mean good as in you get a lot back for your money? I don't or know. Good as in... We're, we're way... <laughs> Yeah, we're, we're out in of the our reeds. depth here. We're in the weeds. So, this isn't the reason we don't accept betting or uh, betting <laughs> advertising or sponsorship on the tennis podcast. It's not just because we it's literally don't understand it. It's a bit sort of chicken and it. egg, isn't it? We don't really yeah. understand it. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we do it out of uh, very responsible reasons but to, to say no to it. But actually, we also don't get it. Um, which is probably why I make okay, all these so ridiculous predictions. Okay, so we've gone 50 to 1 for Kyrgios. What will you give yeah. me for Barty? Well, I think Barty's the favourite for the title. The yeah, moment. but on what... What kind of odds? Oh, I don't. I don't understand. I don't know enough about them. <laughs> okay. Well, relative uh, to Kyrgios, if Kyrgios is a fifty to one, oh, she's got a ten she's, to one, eight, eight, eight to one. To one. Yeah, yeah. So then a combined. I don't understand how you do that. What do you do? Do you add the fifty and the eight? <laughs> no, I don't. Do you, I'm not sure. It's. I don't it's think as you do binary that, do you? that. No. I think you have to multiply them or okay, something. Okay, a hundred to one for the double? No, that's short, isn't it? Yeah. Five hundred to one. I don't know, Catherine. What do you think? <laughs> I need to find a comparator. What's <laughs> more likely? What's more likely? Those two doing the double or John Millman winning? Oh, that's a good question. You can tell Matt's not on this podcast, can't you? <laughs> We've gone off the rails. It's been let out. Um, Which one? If I offered you that, you had to put your mortgage on one of them, one of those scenarios. I'd go. F- I'd go for the Kyrgios Barty double, and I'm so sorry, John. <laughs> wow. What do you go for? Wow. Okay. Well, on that note, what would you go for? The emergency is over. I'd go for the Kyrgios Barty double as well, mm, and I'm right. so sorry. I would love to go. Well, but I'd. Yeah, mm. You got two weeks to think think about yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Who knows how many emergency podcasts we'll be doing in those two weeks, David? <laughs> it's a it's a fluid situation. It's a yeah. moving feast. Move movable, movable, uh, both movable and moving feast. Um, so yeah, I think that's it for now. Um, we'll wrap up and uh, refresh our Twitter feeds to see what breaking news there is for us to have to do more emergency podcasts about um but uh the next you'll hear from us will be billy jean king week uh tomorrow we start off with our billy jean king 
interview. Um, I I can't really say nice things about it because I'm part of it. So, David, could you say something nice about it to, it is to tantalise the listeners? It is must listen. Tell all the tennis players that are in quarantine to take a couple of hours out <laughs> of their two weeks to listen to this because it's important and they should listen to the most influential, important person in tennis history certainly one of them um i would probably say the most um and yeah listen to it because it's where you're gonna love it you're gonna love it you're gonna just drift away and forget everything else in your life for a couple of hours mm. um, that's all i can say she's incredible truly uh, there are three days left in our Kickstarter campaign. The link to chip in if you would still like to uh, is in our show notes. Uh, so please do. And then you can see the back of us talking about the Kickstarter campaign. Thank you once again to everyone that supported us already for for this year. Uh, Rogue is David's mascot. Where was Rogue when Yulia Putin saver needed her, David? I, I, I have offered Rogue's services, as has uh, Rogue's owner, um... Okay, so, you know, there you go, Yulia. If you get any more mouse issues, Rogue's on hand and Rogue is ruthless. Thoughts are with you, Yulia. Zeus is my mascot, king king of the gods. Just going to keep saying that. And Scouse and Mousel is Matt's mascot uh, and uh, Matt will be back uh, on the show next week, of course. Chris Albert Lee is our producer, top bloke, Chris Albert Lee, yeah. top bloke. Uh, so thank you for all of the aforementioned no shout outs today because it's an emergency pod oh that was Billy Billy Jean sneezing into the mic (laughs) (laughs) it's time to go folks thanks for listening we'll be back next week with Billy Jean King a lot can happen in three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company. They offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com.